Coming to yoga or at least finding a meditation practice allows you to meet yourself where you are. That's what I love about it. You have to show up with how you're feeling that day and you can't run away. You can't run away from the things you don't like. And that's what's hard. And that's why I think people avoid it. Go ahead and find yourself in a seated position. Maybe you're lying down, maybe you're even standing, but go ahead and find yourself simply breathing where you are. Close your eyes. Take in maybe what's around you that you can't see. Feeling the space. Inhale, like you're smelling your favorite flower, and blow out, like you're blowing out your favorite candle. Inhaling, exhaling. Inhale, and exhale. One more, inhale, and exhale. Good, thinking about how the mind has maybe become more still as we started breathing, this is what we're going to learn about today. So go ahead, open your eyes. And welcome to Jamie's Corner, but I'm not Jamie. (laughs) (laughs) I am Jamie. Thank you so much for coming on, baby girl. Oh my god, of course. You're the best. Caroline and I met at Equinox, where we were working front desk and practically doing no work at all, except talking, talking, talking. (laughs) And so why don't you just give us a quick little intro? Who are you? And what are you up to these days? Sure, yeah. So my name is Caroline. I have an Instagram called Caro on the Daily. Um, I also go by Caro, which is very funny. It's not Kara, not Carol, Caro. I'm originally from Southern California. So I grew up um, in a little town called Gore Hills, right outside of LA, still kind of in LA County though. And I'm a performer and I'm also a yoga teacher. And up to these days, I am in Western Pennsylvania, uh, outside of Pittsburgh right now, and I'm working on a contract for a musical called Memphis. So we're going to put that up in, I think, a week now. Um, I'll have some performances, and then I'll come back to New York, where I am currently based. (laughs) So exciting. So if you guys are in the area, go see Caroline's show. (laughs) But either way, when you were telling me about your yoga teaching experiences and 
your passion for it, I was like, I need to have you on because I find that yoga ties so nicely into spirituality, veganism, and also just to calm people's minds, to de-stress them. I feel like now we're in such a society where it's constantly go, 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 go. And with our phones, our minds are always racing. So bringing it back to that peace and back to that practice is such a nice way to reconnect. And that's kind of what we're going to talk about today. So what exactly is yoga? Yeah, so good question. I want to start off by saying that what Americans think of as yoga is not necessarily yoga. Unfortunately, when you Google yoga, you're going to get a lot of skinny white bodies. You're not going to really see where yoga comes from, which is from India, which is from Southeast Asia. Um, But just to unpack yoga a little bit. So it's derived from the Sanskrit root yuj, which is union, um, also known to yoke. It can also be translated as like connection. And there's so many things that yoga connects with. So Patanjali, who was the father of modern yoga, he was the first to put it in his texts way, way, way back thousands of years ago, said that the aim of yoga is to understand the true nature of the self, or it can also be kind of translated as the true reality of nature, which I kind of love that those in a way are similar, but I don't think English totally captures everything. But I also heard this is a great quote. And it's that, you know, imagine that the universe is a great spinning engine. You want to stay near the core of the thing, which is right in the wheel. Because if you're out on the edges, everything is spinning around and that's all frayed and crazy, right? So you want to get to the hub where things are calm. That That's your heart. So yeah. I've definitely heard of it as the connection between the mind, body, and the spirit. And I think that's super interesting because a lot of time people in America just think it's, oh, let me stretch my leg, like let me uh, put my arm up and reach it to the sky. You know, it's it's physical to a certain extent, but from I guess what I'm gathering from you is that it also is more metaphysical, not physical. It's more abstract than just that. Oh, it is quite abstract. I mean, it's funny because, you know, it's not even like a religion. It's just a practice. So many people, I think, sometimes think that it's part of a religion because meditation and stillness are so important in it. But it's definitely not just exercise. (laughs) And it's definitely not just touching your toes and like what we might think. It's really about, for me... I would say it's about bringing the unconscious into awareness. So it's that connection of the conscious with the unconscious and seeing how those two meet when you sit down at the mat or when you sit in a chair. Wow, that's a really great way of putting it. And it's funny that you say that because part of the reason that I practice yoga is because I am a little ADD and I notice that when I do it in the morning, I notice that I'm so much more focused throughout the day. And it really, really does help increase my productivity and quiet that mind. So how did you get into yoga? So I, unfortunately, I think I got introduced to it much, much more in a Western way, which is so funny. I actually think I took the most yoga classes at Equinox in high school. I went with my mom and we would go and she loved this one teacher. It was so funny because she was just obsessed with her. And so I would go with her and it was really great because I had had all this dance training. I've been dancing since, I don't know, I was was two. Um, I've been doing theater. So 
I got into it that way, but eventually the pandemic hit. We all know that happened. We all locked down, went home, whatever. And I realized like, you know, I don't really have any sort of moral ethical code or anything. So I grew up in the church, but I realized that there was so much about that religion and that spirituality that I just wasn't really feeling truthful to me sometimes. And I feel like I just kind of felt a call to explore yoga philosophy because that's kind of where the root of all these things that I've been seeing on social media that were getting popularized that my friends were interested in. And so it kind of was just like, huh, like I want to read and learn about yoga philosophy just so I can have something to hold on to in this dark time. And yeah, it really helped me just get in touch with myself, get in touch with my feelings. Did you go on YouTube? What was that process like? Yeah, so it's it's a really funny story. I just kind of started reading. I just kind of looked stuff up on the internet. I would look up different trainings. I was trying to take like a course because I wanted to make sure that it was structured. Uh, I also, I have ADHD, so I wanted it to be something I could do. And so I ended up finding a course online. And then after I took the philosophy course, I was like, oh, I kind of just want to take the whole thing. And I found such a sense of acceptance there with the community, like the lady who runs my studio that I trained in, it was fully virtual because it was in the pandemic. And I feel like kudos to her. She was one of the first people to hop on that. But the training I got was, I mean, stellar. She has great yoga lineage. So super feeling good about that. That's great. I was looking into some yoga teacher trainings and the one that I was looking at was $3,000. I'm like, uh, yeah, <laughs> that's a lot of money. No, she's, she's really great because she is making sure that it's affordable. So that way more people have access to it. That's just one of the ways she decolonizes it, which I feel like is a really gorgeous thing. So why should more people practice yoga and what are the types of yoga that people can practice? Well, I think for starters, you know, it slows you down for a minute. You know, life moves so fast or at least our anxiety moves fast, right? When we're on the edges of everything, we're not at our core, we're not at our center. But mindful movement is such a positive way to release old things that aren't serving you anymore. I will say coming to the mat, there's something about it that kind of forces you to start giving back to yourself. Because no matter what, you are honoring yourself. I've had a teacher say that, that by coming to the mat, you are giving yourself the highest honor you possibly can because you're sitting down with yourself, because you're stretching your body, because you're stretching the mind and finding that stillness it's just essential to to your growth. So I would say that finding stillness has such positive benefits because you have to get honest. But yeah, no, it's a personal practice. So finding the different shapes with your body, but also kind of finding the different spaces in your mind that you can tap into and that you can explore. So for a beginner, what what's the first step that they take? I would say that if you're going to be a yogi, you want to start by being honest, and you want to start by being open-minded. It's much more, I would argue, a mental challenge than a physical one. If you're only going to do it for the physical benefits, it's going to be a lot of twisting and turning, and it's not going to feel as good. But by going inward, um, stuff is going to come up. I mean, especially when you're working with the hip flexors, for me, and for most bodies, a lot of emotion is stored there. So you just have to expect 
emotions to come up. You just have to expect things to come up. Yeah, no, I would just be open-minded. And then I also would look for spaces that are accessible, diverse, and inclusive. Again, the Western media representation is not accurate. So just knowing that yoga is for everyone and making sure that when you go to studios, that's kind of represented that not everybody's skinny, not everybody's white, not everybody's wealthy. You oftentimes see that a lot with the vegan movement too, where a lot of people associate veganism with being skinny, with being white. Like people are like, oh, you're the typical vegan and whatnot. And really what it is, is it's an ideology. It's a belief system that tries to reduce harm and suffering where I feel like everybody and anybody can be a part of that. And actually it's almost, I think rude. And I think it's, it's mindless to say that veganism is, you know, a white Western thing because it originated in roots of Rastafarian societies. A lot of Indian societies, they are vegetarian, vegan. So I think that that ties into um, the same type of thing with yoga. But you, you mentioned energy and it being stored in different places in the body and how that might come up through yoga during your practice. And one question that I had, what exactly is energy and what are the different chakras that people have? Can you just kind of explain that in a simple way for us? Sure, yeah. So energy, I want to start with the textbook definition, okay? So energy in physics, in the dictionary, it is described as the capacity to do work, right? And then in a way with yoga, in a way with you know, the spiritual realm, it's kind of a similar thing where it is thought as, you know, the power it takes for something to move and then also that moving information. So your body is actively generating frequencies in the form of like electric and magnetic currents. Um, and so those will radiate inside, they'll radiate outside, they'll radiate around your body. And then as they overlap, we kind of get the chakras in there. So yeah, it's it's kind of exciting that just like in physics, it's just the capacity to move and that moving information is is really as you do yoga and as you do energy work, it feels quite tangible even though it's not really something you can touch. I think that that's just kind of working with spirit. Um whatever you want to call it, people call it source, people call it god, they call it spirit, but I mean, people everywhere, all cultures have some sort of religion because I think you can't look at the sunset and think, wow, there's nothing to this. No matter what, there's something there. There's something beautiful. There's something not touchable, but feelable. And that's kind of, I think, where that lies. That is super interesting. So what are the different like energy portals within us? Is that something that you try to practice within yoga? Um, yeah, I think yoga is, you know, we call that the esoteric body, right? Because it's not something you can visually see. But definitely in yoga, you know, chakra practice is important. So starting in, in your pelvis, you have the root chakra and you go all the way up to the top of your head, above your head, which is the crown chakra. And there's even some chakras after that. The chakras are like whirlpool wheels of light that we see on the front and the back, but we don't see them, but we feel them. Um, so for example, like for many years, I was entrenched in purity culture of, you know, save yourself for marriage and, you know, you have to think about the Lord and things like that. And my orange chakra, which is right above the root chakra, was totally blocked. And then upon 
exploring chakra work and doing meditations and exploring creativity and sensuality, I was able to unlock that. And I felt like a completely different person. So I will say like chakra work does work. You just have to get honest with yourself. And, you know, when you start getting honest with yourself, it's really hard because stuff is just going to come flying back at you and you have to be able to take it. (laughs) So, yeah. And it's that internal switch. It's like looking inside and being like, how can I strive to be a better person? What am I doing that maybe isn't serving me so much anymore? So what is spirituality to you? I know that you grew up in the church and now you've kind of moved more towards a spiritual sense. Talk a little bit about that transition and that switch and and what is spirituality and how does that connect with yoga? I would say spirituality is a practice connecting with spirit, which sounds silly, but what is spirit but the space between us, the space between us and the sky, the space between the plants. I mean, even the plants talk to each other, right? Because they have all this shared root systems. And I, I like to think that people are sort of the same way. We don't really see it, but we're all part of you know, this great tree, we're all leaves of the same tree. And even though we don't see that we're physically connected, we are by our genes, by our location, by our brains, you know, any communication with anybody is a connection with them. So those neurons, I think, are super important in spirituality, because feeling like you're connected to somebody is life changing. And when you get connected with spirituality, you start kind of feeling that. Um, but yeah, so from a strong, from a young age, I had a very strong intuition. I went to Sunday school, you know, I was two or three. My parents, you know, they were Christians, right? Presbyterians. And I could just feel like, oh, this is what spirit is. Because when you're a kid, you are not burdened by the shame of society yet. And so... I just immediately was like, oh, this makes sense. Like you feel it in the wind, you see it in animals, you see it in life, you you feel it, right? And then as I got older and I realized that the exact teachings of the church that, you know, were anti-LGBTQ and, you know, very, um, like I said, entrenched in purity culture and not necessarily uh, upholding people with love, I kind of took a step back. I think, you know, Christianity can be a very beautiful thing, but I was drawn to to yoga philosophy just because I realized that my worldview was so westernized that I was missing out on what I felt like was at the root, was at the fundamentals of it. So during the pandemic, when you had this shift, this massive shift where you didn't feel that you had a moral or ethical code, you didn't feel as connected, tell me a little bit about that and what happened there. Right. I think when the world was so heightened, everybody was in a heightened state, it was weird because we were all heightened, but we were all separate. And I think to be spiritual is to connect right, with something other than yourself. And we all were craving that connection. And it's so funny. I would say a week before the pandemic hit, I was feeling kind of still kind of lost spiritually, still kind of confused. I mean, I was what, 20, 19? No, I I was 20. (laughs) And I remember I found a yoga studio downtown and I went for myself. I went, you know what, I just want to go. And I was the only person who showed up. 
to this one class. It was like an 8 p.m. class. It was in downtown Pittsburgh. And I just went by myself. I wish I still knew this teacher, but I, I was like, you know, practically a child. And I went and I was the only one there. And she was like, what would you like to do today? Like, how are you feeling? And I think there's something about the open space of a studio that is so soothing and is so spiritual. Um, living, especially in urban environments, we feel so cramped. And I think coming to a space where I could just open up the chest, breathe, have somebody hold me in a way, trusting yourself in the hands of the instructor and them being ready to receive you, I think is such a beautiful thing that is underrated. Yeah, that one experience, I was like, oh, this is what I've been missing. Yeah, and it was like $13, right? So, I mean, <laughs> it was like, in, it was so insane because I, I was like, wow, I just got like basically a private lesson and I feel like I just lifted the world off my shoulders simply because this instructor could come in here and make me feel held. Wow. And I've noticed that every class is somewhat a different experience. You feel different after every class, but also similar in a sense that your mind is clearer, you feel more still, but it's almost like a learning experience where I'm connecting more with myself, learning about my breath. Like I just took a class last night and this teacher had us doing and holding lots of different poses. So it wasn't as much of vinyasa where you're, you're going down and pushing up and doing down dog. And it, was, it wasn't as much of that kind of flow. It was very different. But with this class particularly, I was able to focus a lot more on my breath and breathe through those intense stretches which was very cool. So I guess the next part that I want to ask you, which I know my listeners will be curious about, and something that I think ties really nicely into spirituality, yoga, morals, ethics. Tell me a little bit about what made you give up eating meat. Right. So I think for me, everything has come from my inner child. <laughs> it's so funny to say that. I feel like inner child is such a funny term these days. Like you hear it all the time on TV and people laugh, but it's true. I mean, I still feel very connected with kind of that childlike intuition, that deep knowing of what is good with me, what works for me. And I think as a child, I always felt kind of uncomfortable eating meat. It wasn't really something that you're conscious you're doing until you're like, wait a second, what? <laughs> So for me, that was always something that had just been on my mind, something that I was aware of. Again, I was kind of entrenched in that culture of, nope, this is the way we do things. And not necessarily that I didn't question it, but that I would question it, but I wasn't ready to change it. It wasn't until I lived on my own in college that I had a roommate who was vegan and he would always be eating um, meat substitutes. And I realized that I hated cooking meat and I hated seeing the meat. And I was like, you know what? Why am I doing something I hate? Like, this is so stupid. <laughs> and so when quarantine hit, it was so funny. Like, everything I think happened within a week for me. When I made the chance and the choice to change my moral beliefs, change my philosophies a little bit, and take my life into my own hands, I would say that's when I really kind of picked it up, is just one day I was like, let me just try not eating meat because I'm not doing anything right now. 
And I swear it was like immediate. Like I even remember trying to eat a shrimp, like, oh, I'll just have a shrimp. And I couldn't do it. I like spat the whole thing out. But yeah, so that's how it happened to me. And I, I really haven't eaten meat since. Like, honestly, like if it happens accidentally, like, of course, you know, we never know, right? Sometimes you, somebody orders something and you, you don't know, but that's the only time I've, I've ever eaten <laughs> meat since choosing to be vegetarian. It was just a very easy, very fast switch. And people commend me like, wow, like you, how do you do that? And it's purely psychological of just like, I don't feel good. And I just can't do it. Like I physically can't get myself to do it. <laughs> mm -hmm. And I think that it's interesting how, as you started to become more connected with yourself and just with the earth and nature and yoga as your yoga practice developed you slowly found yourself moving away from those products of suffering so do you see yourself giving up dairy and eggs considering that those are also really horrific industries or is that something that's like difficult for you right now yeah, no, I definitely do. I mean, that's already been, I think, something that I've been in the process of. Even before I was vegetarian, I was cutting out dairy simply because it doesn't feel good. I don't think people were made to drink milk from cows, to be honest. <laughs> um, you know, I think cow milk is not necessarily for people. I think people drink it. But again, that was not its purpose. <laughs> it's for baby cows. So of course, it's not going to necessarily jive with your digestive system as well as, you know, milk would but yeah I, I I struggled to eat eggs I would find that I would be gagging and things like that so I again it's kind of like that intuition of your body speaking to you and you listening and I wanted to point out too that you know yoga is a not just a physical practice so there's eight limbs to yoga and the physical aspect is only one of those limbs it's like a tree right? Um, and in yoga, you know, one of those limbs is the, the yamas and the niyamas. And it, within the yamas, these are our, like, how we interact with the world around us, these ethical guidelines, one of the first things you learn. And one of those is ahimsa, which would be practicing nonviolence. I personally practice nonviolence as much as I can, and not harming other people, whether that's physically, emotionally, I don't like getting in fights. I don't like hearing of, you know, how people are in pain. And it's good to hear, but it, it hurts me to hear to hear that because I'm such an empath, right? <laughs> so yeah, with Ahimsa, I think that's where a lot of traditional Indian and Southeast Asian vegetarians draw from is that I think their culture saw very early on that, oh, wait, we're all part of the same tree just because this person's not, right, this animal's not a person doesn't mean it doesn't deserve respect. I think that that's a movement that's getting way more popular that, you know, children, that animals, that even, you know, plants, living things deserved respect. And it's quite radical <laughs> in Western society because, you know, we wouldn't exist without colonization. So I think decolonizing our mind to realize that, animals and children and women and people of color especially deserve basic respects is radical to a lot of people because they don't realize that their current cultural conditioning is 
working against that. They think, oh, I'm a good person. Oh, I love the Lord. But they don't see how the systems they're entrenched in don't support their actual beliefs. So I would say coming to yoga or at least finding a meditation practice allows you to meet yourself where you are. That's what I love about it. You have to show up with how you're feeling that day and you can't run away. You can't run away from the things you don't like. And that's what's hard. And that's why I think people avoid it. Mm, I love that. I'm definitely opening the show with that because I just love how you phrased it. And I think what yoga and meditation does is it allows you it allows you to hear those thoughts and actually be in tune with that and, and how you're feeling. I mean, at least for me, I started with the root of loving animals and not wanting to harm them. And that's why I went vegan. And, and this path sort of led me to yoga because I found a community that I feel has a lot of the same belief systems. Yeah, no. And I, I would love to point out too that I feel like it's a similar thing too. I personally have had such like a weight loss journey as well. And I found that there was so many exercise communities um, and diets that I thought were only for skinny people. And what I loved about yoga is like, even when I was in a place physically where things were harder for me, yoga was so accessible with the right teacher, like this one teacher I had, she was able to like meet my injuries. She was able to like meet where my energy was at that day. And I think, you know, you see that in veganism too. People expect, you know, people to come in with certain bodies. Um, when in reality, I think the inclusivity of veganism is also quite beautiful. People don't expect it, but it's radical to accept your body as it is. You know, uh, the body is not an apology by Sonia Taylor. Like it, it's radical to, to love yourself and to offer not only your self-respect, but children and animals respect. <laughs> it's, it's such an, so silly that it's a new concept, but it's an ancient one. You know, we respect our elders, right? But I feel like sometimes children and especially animals, these smaller beings that can't always voice for themselves don't always get that same respect simply because they're smaller, simply because they're quieter, simply because they're more in touch with the world. <laughs> mm. That is such a great point. And I think it's really hard. I feel like all throughout human history, we've seen people picking their bodies apart and you see this ideal image of what your body should look like projected into the media. And nowadays with social media, it's like, you know, every other person I'm scrolling through on my Instagram is like a freaking supermodel. And <laughs> it definitely, um, it causes us to believe or think that we need to look a certain way when in fact we we totally don't and that we should learn to love and accept ourselves the way that we are you know i like how you 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 you've brought up the inner child and if even just my listeners if you take a second to look at that inner child within you and look at that younger version of yourself how would you want to speak to them you should speak to them uh, in, a, in a kind way uh, that you would that you should use to speak to yourself. Right. And it's it's interesting because lately I'm realizing that we can declare independence from who we want to be. Right. If you say to yourself, I want to be more liked, I want to be thinner, I want to be happier. 
it's okay. And I think yoga has really helped me with this meditation specifically um, of truly meeting yourself where you are and declaring your independence from who your cultural conditioning has told you to be versus who you were when you came out as a child and you were not entrenched by shame. You were not entrenched by what was expected of you. And instead, you were simply yourself without that, that voice in your head that you've grown, right? Those no judges, um, people refer to them that way, are developed. And social media, I think, can be beautiful because we feel that connection, right? We, we can soothe the nervous system with all the scrolling. Um, we feel like, oh, this is, this is real, right? If I'm seeing it, how can you not believe it? But you know, as we've learned, and as we all know, sometimes what we put out on social media is truly just a picture. It's not representing thing and people want to read into, want to read into it because we trust people, right? And it's not necessarily that I think people are lying on social media. It's that we are lying to ourselves. We are always looking to fulfill what we're already thinking about. We always want to confirm our belief system. And I think yoga has caused me to get curious about my belief system, about what my inner beliefs are, about the beliefs about myself. And once you can break down that, nothing that you see is necessarily going to be true and that you have to personally explore and break down instead of assuming that what you see is is real, it's all gonna make a lot more sense because the only thing that's real is you and your breath and whatever's around you. That's your reality. That's why I love the breath, right? We can't live without it. We can't, you know, if you breathe too much, right? You can't live with it. Like what's real is you and your breath at the end of the day. And the present moment. And so often we live in the future, we live in the past. And what yoga and meditation does is it does bring you back to that present, which can be uncomfortable, you know? I mean, it's not always ideal and where you want to be at, but uh, it's important because that's your actual reality as opposed to the, these realities that we create through a little device on our phones, you know, a little screen. So what are ways that you are exploring yourself and, and what are ways in which you strive to be a better person? Let's get into your habits, your, your routines. I want some advice for the listeners. Sure. Well, I mean, I think one of the things I do daily is I force myself to be a lot nicer to myself. Um, I think that especially Western society, we're taught that you have to be hard on yourself to get things done. Um, I don't know where we learned that. I don't know where I picked that up, but I did somewhere along the way. Um, so I think one of the main things I do consistently throughout the day is if I hear a negative thought coming in as I'm like, nope, I don't agree with this. And you can just say, you know, what I love is that all thoughts are the exact same thing, whether it's a negative thought, whether it's a positive thought. Um, I mean, I think the Buddha said there is no good and bad. There just simply is. Right. And that's how it works in our brain. So one of the first things I do anytime throughout the day, anytime I hear it is I have to rebuttal myself of not necessarily. You don't have to be so upset at yourself for being bad. You don't have to even celebrate the fact that you're doing good. Stop putting stock in what's good or bad. 
and start putting stock in what simply is. <laughs> so that's one thing. Um, I mean, I work on myself a lot. I'm obsessed with Brene Brown. Um, I love Glenn Doyle. I love uh, these women that are Sonia Taylor. Like I love these women that are breaking down emotional barriers. I mean, Brene Brown is just wonderful. She is so about, I think, looking at your emotions and meeting them. Uh, she can definitely speak on it in a way that when you come to the yoga mat, it's all here in your head. You don't get the same vocabulary. So it's kind of fun to see how it plays out in real life. But anyways, back to habits. I can't pour from an empty cup. I learned that. I used to be pouring from an empty cup, kind of had a self-sacrificing thing going on. And then I realized like, you know, this isn't necessarily serving me. I think as I unlocked the chakra system, that helped me a lot. So my habits, I journal. I read a really great tweet and it was, what is it to be a woman in your 20s without just writing down nonsense in a book? <laughs> um, so <laughs> it's good. It's good to just be scribbling some stuff sometimes. And uh, I like to do gratitude, recognizing what's good, what makes me feel good. Are there any any teas or elixirs that you like? Yeah. Um, let's see. I do a lot of ginger. I think ginger really changed me, really changed my gut system. So I love ginger. Ginger is nature's caffeine. Highly recommend. If you're feeling low or your mood's not the best, taking some ginger. I take vitamin D. I cannot live without vitamin D. Um, again, I think not eating meat has been a really positive thing for me. And a really simple thing, I think, too, uh, that people don't realize is going to, you know, make you feel a lot better, really improve your mood, really, you know, improve your hormones because you're not eating all these different hormones. But yeah, I would say that works. And I, I love um, avocados. I'll just put that in there. Everybody knows. So. <laughs> Me too, girl. Oh, and anything. I add it to everything and anything, even smoothies sometimes. Oh, yeah. No, and I will say, sorry, one of my habits is I have to eat breakfast. Having ADHD, breakfast changes the day, changes the day because it gives you something immediately to latch on to and it fuels you throughout the day. Oh, I also take a lot of B12s um, just to help convert my, my food into fuel. Wow. Okay, that's great. Yeah, I think vitamin D and B12 is something that everybody should be taking, whether you're vegan or not. Like it's, it's an essential, especially because with our farming system these days, you're not getting as much of the B12 from the vegetables that come from the ground. B B12 in essence is a bacteria that comes from the soil. And a lot of cows and other farm animals are injected with B12. And that's why you, I guess, could get it through their bodies. But you could also just go directly to the source and get the B12 through there. So everybody, regardless if you're vegan or not, take B12. Take vitamin D, which is the sun. Especially if you're living in New York in the winter, you definitely should probably take a, a vitamin D. Right. Well, and it's so interesting to point out, like, a lot of times when I journal at night, like I, I write, what do I want to achieve the next day? And I, a lot of it is to stay grounded in my life force energy. And I've found that now that I've separated myself from eating other life force energy, like besides plants, which of course have their own, but it's not, I think of the same level necessarily, um, or style kind of energy. Um, you can feel that 
your energy really does come from you. I think that sometimes a lot of anxiety can get outsourced because you don't really know what you're putting in your body all the time. So getting really real about what you're putting in your body, I think eases a lot of anxiety and makes it so much easier to tap into your energy. Oh, absolutely. But I think it's also about the difference between eating life and fuel and positivity and, you know, plants don't have this fear and this like suffering that they went through before they're killed because they simply don't have a brain and a spinal cord. They don't have the pain receptors that animals and, and, and that we have. Uh, and also it's a level of consciousness, I think is what we need to come to. It's, it's so funny. People are always like, oh, well, what about plants? Like you're killing plants. And it's like, are you kidding me right now? Do you really not see the difference between chopping a head of broccoli and slicing an animal's head off? Like, do you really not see that difference? Right. It's crazy. No, I, I, I definitely feel that too. And I would say that for, th for people, things aren't real until you come to terms with it, right? That's why yoga is important because it makes you sit down and come to terms with yourself, with your emotions, with with all the stuff you thought you forgot about, there's so much that I've remembered. <laughs> there's so many mm -hmm. things that will come up for you. So I think when people make that decision of, oh yeah, wait, this is harmful. They realize like, oh, I don't have to do this. I think a mm -hmm. lot of what makes yoga positive is that it grants you the freedom to be independent from society from what culture dictates so yeah mm -hmm. definitely once people gain that independence of i don't have to make this choice simply because it's what people do um you really start to unlock unlock life changes it's a great point and i think because we're so desensitized in our society and because we're thinking about the future the past we're on our phones we're scrolling we're not in the present moment we're actually desensitized to a lot of the world's suffering we don't always think about it we're not as present with it and in fact we're trying to do anything and everything we can to not feel that pain and suffering and that's why we scroll that's why we distract ourselves and go out and drink every weekend you know we're working nine to five jobs and so i love that with yoga you're really able to get back to as you were saying um to 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 reconnect and so i think that yoga is the process of reawakening right no it's it really will bring the unconscious to the conscious. And I think on a, some sort of unconscious level, I think people are aware sometimes that we don't always make the best decisions. And the upside to yoga is that you can be held without the shame first, is that there is a space for you to enter and for you to not beat yourself up for your mistakes, but to simply come as you are. Again, nothing is good or bad. It simply is. So once you enter that space of simply being, simply existing as you are it's a lot easier to move forward instead of staying entrenched in this is good this is bad you simply realize oh this feels this feels right and then you move forward with that yeah and at first guys it didn't necessarily feel right for me because I was not doing it for a spiritual purpose I was really just doing it to stretch and look good and as an exercise and I was like ah eh, okay well 
eh, I'm just touching my toes now what? Whereas, as Caroline said throughout this podcast, is that once you connect deeper with it and just give it a chance, there is so much to learn within that space. So when you're back in New York, girly, you are going to mm-hmm. lead a yoga class for all of us. And guys, <laughs> this is figure late August. We're going to plan this out mm-hmm. and hopefully get a whole big group together and actually do this together. Oh my gosh. No, I would love that. I I love meeting people's energy and meeting them where they are. So please come as you are. <laughs> Yes, yes. Even if you've never taken a yoga class before, we'll set, we'll put oh, the yeah. details out in a in a few weeks. But I think that could be really fun to do as like an end of the summer yoga in the park or whatever it is. I think uh, that would be amazing. Uh, so if there was anything else that you wanted to add that we didn't get to or get to cover, let's add that and then give us your sh- social handles where people can find you, and uh, wrap we'll wrap it up. Sure. Yeah. Um, I guess if there's one more thing that I can add, it would be that who you are is already great. I think letting go is how it all gets done. So let go of what might be expected of you and start to embrace what simply feels right. What simply feels grounded. Um, you know, you are, I love to say, you know, you are a child of this great big musical energy, right? You can't look at the ocean. You can't look at the sky. You can't look at a tree and not feel that there is something special to it. And just know that you have that same sense of specialness, of uniqueness, of of beauty, of joy, of, of something gorgeous and unique there. So your frequency that you're already at is gorgeous and unique. And by tapping into it and embracing it, um, it's just going to blossom even more. So I wish you the best of luck on your journey (laughs) to whoever is listening, because you're going to need it, but you're going to get through it. Oh, I love you, Caroline. Thank you so much for coming on. You're the best, and I of love course. how you're, you're so just, like, kind, and, and I really you really can see how much you care about people and just everybody that you come across. It's like you, you give this positive energy, and so I'm, I'm always so appreciative of that and so thankful to have you as a close friend of mine, and I can't wait till you're back in New York, and thank you so much for coming on. Of course. Yeah. And I forgot to mention, if you if you want to keep up with me, follow me at Caro underscore on the daily. I don't post daily, but I I uh, am getting there. So, yeah, come check me out. See what I'm up to. Absolutely. Yeah, I love and Caroline is always posting great quotes and I want to see some more yoga practices on there. So, so much more to come. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. And thank you guys for listening. Much appreciated. And until next time. Bye. Bye.